Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Welcome to Worship 365 2.0, where we are creating atmospheres of worship in the comfort of your own home. I invite you to sit back, relax, and experience what the Holy Spirit has to say to you on today. Well, welcome to Worship 365, for this is the day the Lord has made, and I am rejoicing, and I am glad in it. Today, our co-host is Dr. Apostle Victoria Scott. I love that her Facebook um, bio says she's a global glory and holy fire revivalist. I so love that. (laughs) She's also a wife and a mother and a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, an author and a leader in her own right. Welcome to Worship 365. Thank you so much, woman of God. It's an honor to be here and greetings to everyone. Yes, we are so excited to have you. We know that God is going to begin to reveal to our listeners some amazing things through your voice. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting um, Apostle Scott at the Mary experience here in Georgia before she moved to Texas. And so I was glad to be able to connect with her and that God really knitted our hearts together. And I can't wait to see how we're able to work together in the, in the future, maybe doing some global touring type of stuff. It'll be very exciting. Um, So tell our listeners about your journey uh, to embracing a lifestyle of Worship 365. How did it all begin for you? Oh, wow. Um, You know, it's such a a beautiful question, you know, Um, and and I so I'm grateful for you because that allows me to open up my, you know, my heart and and who I am. I think you can't discuss worship without opening up your heart. Yeah. And, you know, uh, growing up in a Christian household, you know, um, I think sometimes we we think that because that is the environment that we're in, that it's necessarily so easy. I mean, it, it does make it easy somewhat. But I think what I 
from my journey with worship and it involving um, every area of my life, it was really a personal decision. And um, it started out um, as a child where, you know, I, I, and I didn't realize this until later that when I was older, that uh, what began as worship infiltrating all of my life began with moments with God, intimate moments with God, where when the service was over and there was no music around and the choir wasn't around. It was just that intimate place of my God, I am so absolutely in love with you. And um, what began as moments began to spread into every other area of my life. So it began with the, you know, these intimate moments with God, like I am in awe of who you are. You know, I'm in awe of your greatness. I'm in awe of your love. I'm in awe of your magnitude, just everything about him. Uh, worshiping him to the music of my heart. That's where it began in that intimate place. And so from that place of, whoa, I am so in love with him. It began it to flow into other areas of my life saying, if I'm in love with him, does this area of my life look like I honor him? Mm. Does this area of my life look like I'm honoring him? When I say that I love him, does this part of my life, you know, I was in school at the time, so it would say, okay, if I'm about to take this test, if I'm about to play in this sport, what's, does my attitude look like it's a result of that, that intimate moment? In other words, if I said I love him and I'm so in love with him, what does my speech sound like? How do I talk? How do I, how does that come across in the way that I talk to my friends? How does that come across in the way that I respond to my parents? And so it started from that place of an intimate relationship in a quiet place, in a corner place. They always teased me and says, oh, that's just Vic and her and her corner songs. <laughs> they would find me rocking in the corner and tears pouring down my face. I remember the first time my dad saw me do that and the Holy Spirit said, leave her, she's okay. I'm, 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 I'm drawing her heart in. Mm-hmm. And they would always say, you know, yeah, leave Vic. She's, she's, she's having a moment in the corner. Those are her <laughs> corner songs. But I remember that it was from that that I was like, wow, okay, if I'm going to have these moments. I need the rest of my life to reflect that. In fact, the Holy Spirit was saying that to me. I need the rest of your life to reflect what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. where that journey began um, is from those intimate times of worship. Now understanding that as I got older to say everything is worship because it's spilling over from that time. Worship in how I how I talk to people and now as an adult, how I am there for my children is what's worship. Uh, my relationship with my husband and, uh, you know, all the things that I'm required to do in everyday life is worship to God. So that's how it all began. Oh, that's so amazing. Mm-hmm. And when I think about how God draws us all, it seems as children, yes. it makes me wonder you know, how we can cultivate that in the lives of our children, Yeah, you know, how we could really encourage them to pursue 
that level of intimacy and relationship with the Lord, even as a, at a young age, mm-hmm. um, how, how do you do that with your own children? I know you're a mom. Tell us a little bit about your journey with your children and how you have really helped them to really embrace a lifestyle of worship, especially in this culture um, that they live in today. How are you helping them to really stand and be set apart and embrace that? Yes, absolutely. Um, Great question. Um, You know, one of the things that I'm encouraging them to do is to, to first of all, be aware of the presence of Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and that, you know, uh, my mom used to say it like this, the Holy Spirit is watching you and he's going to tell me. (laughs) And so, (laughs) you know, with them, it's just telling them to say, guys, Holy Spirit is always with you. Just know you're not separate from him because you is separated from God because you're at school. You're not separated from God because you're not at church. Always know that he's always with you. He's always, you can't see him, but he's standing right there next to you and he's living inside your heart. You can't always see the spiritual with your eyes, but always know it's happening around you. So first of all, you know, it, it was getting them to the awareness of, um, you know, being sensitive that God is always with them. Mm-hmm. And that if he's always with them, then what does my life look like when I'm, you know, with my speech, with what I'm saying, with, you know, how I'm treating another person? Is this something that Jesus, you know, approves of? So getting that awareness. And then second of all, um, you know, that being something that they're surrounded by constantly, that worship. Um, you know, when they're going to sleep, they're hearing the word, they're he- hearing worship music. Uh, we've been intentional about taking them to a church where they have time for worship. It's not just babysitting, you know, mm-hmm. it's time for worship. But I think the greatest example of, out of all of that is modeling it in front of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I want th- that they see me and their father having a moment where we just you know, worship God, you know, uh, as in the act itself um, of just tears rolling down our face and not hiding that from them where they know, wow, they can see that. And so, you know, it becomes like natural to them and it becomes a lifestyle. And then also taking the time, we take the time once a week to just sit down and say, what did God do for you this week? Mm -hmm. And I remember one moment my where I could tell that something had changed in them is when my oldest, he's 11 now, breaks down crying. And he says, I can feel his goodness. Oh, my goodness. That still brings me to tears. And he burst mm-hmm. into tears because it became more than just, hey, what did God do to what what he did? But I can actually feel him. Mm-hmm. And all he could do was cry and it was a, it became this powerful worship moment. So I think it's intentionally getting engaged with them to say, this is what worship looks like and then modeling it out for them. Mm, That's so good. That's so good. (laughs) It also makes me think about the whole, remember the, what would Jesus do movement? I don't know. That was a fad that kind of came through, but we wear the little armbands on our arms. You know, every day was a reminder of what would Jesus do? Yes. Like, you have to get back to that, you know? Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about um, your book, The Joseph Anointing. How, 
how was that birth? How did that come into being? Uh, well, um, uh, interesting story. Uh, before I came to the U.S., um, I think it's 21 years ago now, um, I'm originally from Zambia, Africa. Um, my grandfather asked me to prepare his favorite meal, and I didn't know what was going on until years later. I was like, oh, okay, he was blessing me, you know, because he was departing. And so he says, cook me my favorite meal. And so he, I, I did that for him. And uh, kind of like what was done in the Old Testament. And he began to speak the Joseph anointing over my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, f- for anybody that's lived outside of the U.S. coming here, you know, you have this dream ahead of you. And, you know, it's the, it's the greener side of life. And, you know, I, I, I had a pretty good life growing up. And so I thought, you know, coming to America was just going to be the icing on the cake. And. You know, it's a great country, but God was using those first couple of years to take me through a process of training and molding. And so they were very tough. And I remember going, okay, I have this awesome word for my grandfather, but when I look at my life, it's the total opposite. I mean, it was so bad to the point that I thought I was cursed. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so... Yeah. My family, you know, reminded me, my parents were like, remember what your grandfather spoke over your life. And so I was like, that's right, Joseph, because, you know, when I heard Joseph, I completely skipped the palace, the dungeon, and I went straight to the, I mean, (laughs) and the dungeon, I went straight to the palace, like, yes, I'm going to America. So it's definitely the palace. Mm-hmm. And so God was like, no, I got to take you through the pit first. I got to take you through Potiphar's house. I got to take you through the dungeon. And so what I thought was a curse was actually that process of going from pit to palace and all that. I mean, pit to dungeon and uh, because that's where Joseph was molded. And so as I began to study that, God began to show me what he was doing. What that, you know, that the pit is, is a place that incubates the purpose inside of you. You know, it's designed, it was designed, his brothers were using it to destroy Joseph, but God was actually using it to set him apart Mm -hmm. and so, and to hide him. And so there's all of these stages that we go through sometimes that are so rough, that are so difficult. And when we look at them through our natural eye, we see one thing, but when you look at it through your, through our spiritual eyes, which which is what God was doing, was telling me, look again. I want you to, I want to show you what it is that I'm doing. I want to show you what it is that I'm creating. And so as I began to study this, I thought, oh my God, this stuff is good. And I saw my life changing. Mm-hmm. I saw my attitude changing. My mindset was changing. I saw, you know, started to see God's plans. And, you know, usually when you're surrounded by strife and, and you're surrounded by difficulty, or if you're in a pit, it's easy to say, God, hurry up, get me out of this. But when he began to sh- open up my eyes and to see what was really going on, I was like, can I stay in the pit just a little longer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I started to understand the responsibility that was coming on my life. And so um, it, 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 it started to teach me how to work with God instead of working against him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, wow, this stuff is so good. It transformed my life so much that I said, I have to share this with other people. Yeah. And that- how actually the book and the devotional uh, came about uh, because it helps you understand the process from beginning to end of what God is doing in your life. Yes, 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 yes. I always say that 
it was during the pit and dungeon experiences that worship really saved my life. I remember, yeah. I think when I met you, I was really going through that, yeah. that dungeon, that pit and dungeon experience. I had, even before I met you, I was at another a retreat called Holy Spirit Encounter. Yeah. And um, one of my sisters in Christ that I had been just walking with, accountability partner, after the retreat, she said, child, one of the women of God um, came up to me and said, I just see her in a pit. I see her in a pit. I see her in a pit. And it was interesting that she used that specific word. And I was just like, how can I be blessed and anointed and be in a pit at the same time? How can I usher in the presence of God from a pit? Like I couldn't, I could never comprehend that. I was like, I don't understand that. Well, maybe she missed God. Right. <laughs> and so then as I go through this other experience, that's when I felt like I was truly in a dungeon. Like I felt like I was probably in one of the dark darkest places of my life where I just was like, where is God? Like, yes. I was like, I just want to get to an atmosphere where I can just sense his presence around other people. Cause I'm like, I don't feel him <laughs> right now, you know? <laughs> and it's amazing that during that time, probably one of the most difficult time I've had a lot of them, but just mm -hmm. one that I actually had to literally walk through. That wasn't a one night type of situation yes. it was like months and months and seasons it was like long that mm -hmm. it was the worship it was the pressing into his presence yes. it was the seeking his face it was the crying out to him it was yes the, the true heart cry that really saved my life so that I was able to walk through it and really come out on the other side yes and so talk to us a little bit about how worship is truly developed when you're going through that process and why it is so important that people mm -hmm. draw near to God instead of running away from him when they're going through that pit experience or that dungeon experience. Absolutely. You know what? One of my favorite verses, I mean, I think they are, but one of my favorite verses, you know, that um, worship taught me during that pit time and that dungeon time comes out of uh, Matthew uh, 16, where Jesus is asking his disciples, who do men say that I am? And then, um, you know, they tell him Elijah and all that kind of stuff. And then he turns to them and said, but who do you say I am? Mm -hmm. And anytime that we begin to tell God who he is, you know, this, this relationship is so beautiful because he then, it's not just us telling God, you're wonderful. God, you're beautiful. That does happen. But guess what? He also responds. Mm -hmm. So when he's, when Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So mm -hmm. the right off the bat, when you worship, you know that you're, you're, yeah, you, you're not doing this at an earthly level. You're, you've, you've now positioned yourself in heavenly places mm -hmm. and Christ uh, or, or, or our father, God is speaking to you. Okay. And then it says, and also I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And he goes to talk to him saying, I'll give you the keys and whatever you bind, you will loose on earth. And, and uh, you know, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Here's what kept me going to those times when I was telling God, how awesome he is. And I was telling him, God, it hurts, but hallelujah. Anyhow, God, yeah. I praise you. I don't understand. Here's what he began to say. He began to say in return, you're special. You're called. You are chosen. This is what yes. I'm going to do with your life. I'm going to take you to places you've never been. So we were having this conversation. And remember what the Bible says, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. 
So yeah. as I was worshiping him, he began to speak words of life yeah. Woo! Yeah. back yeah. over me. So whenever I felt like dying and I said, God, just, you know, end it now for me. I can't do this. This is too painful. He began to speak life back yeah. over me. He began to in turn sing songs of deliverance over me because I was getting to the place to say, but you're still God. I don't get it, but you're still God. It hurts. You're still God. God, you know what? This is difficult, but you're still God. And then in turn, he begins to speak those words back. And then because worship comes in so many ways, you know, uh, one of the things I love about Joseph is that even in that difficult place, he's a slave in a new country. He's there. It's unfair. But look at the posture of his heart. Yeah. He was, you know, I, I, I believe that he refused to let bitterness come in his heart because God was reminding him of the dreams that were on his life. Yeah. And so he says, you know what? This is the worst situation. I've been sold twice. I'm, I'm here unfairly. Um, you know, here, here's, I'm away from my, my father. I'm, I'm, I'm away from, from a good life. Now I'm here as a slave. He said, I'm going to live this thing, you know, to my best. In fact, the Bible says everything he touched prospered. That word is called salak. It means it had fruit. It was instantaneous. It was a rush. It was powerful. It was fruitful. So much so that now he positioned himself to flow in the vein of, because I love God, I'm going to love other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not because of my situation. So during that time, you know, whenever you, a, a, another way to worship God is how, what's your relationship like with people mm -hmm. when you're in that pit, when you are in that in Potiphar's house, when you're in that dungeon, do you become bitter and close up? Or do you say, you know what? I am going to go to church and I am going to wipe those babies, you know, behinds and change diapers. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to love on those babies. My life might not be perfect right now, but I'm going to go to children's church and I'm going to serve or my life might not be perfect right now, but I'm going to show up on Sunday and I'm going to, you know, serve people. I'm going to go to work and I'm going to be the best employee. It might not, I might not have my mansion now, but honey, I'm going to clean this house, you know, with its four rooms and I'm going to clean it until it shines. That is all that worship and saying, God, I don't understand it all. I don't like what's happening, but my life is in your hands. Amen. Amen. And I love that, it, you know, just this, as in terms of just key nuggets from what you said, your worship provokes you, uh, provokes his response, mm -hmm. which ultimately his response keeps you going. It yes. keeps your heart pure. It purifies yes. your motives. It keeps you looking towards the promise and it keeps your yes. eyes on him because without keeping your eyes on him you will become distracted by everything that's not happening everything that you don't have I remember yeah you know just knowing you know God whispering all these promises to me and I remember getting to the point where I was so so looking at the promises I'm like well, what's taking the promises so long you said <laughs> yeah. that I was gonna have such and such I was gonna do such and such I'm like I just don't see it and I just found myself becoming so consumed with the promises yeah. and you have to say hello ma'am am I enough 
So it was almost like by staying in that posture and keeping my eyes on him, it was like, do you want the promises now more than you want me? Because although I said that I was going to do these things for you, it seems that you're looking towards those promises more than you're looking towards me. And I remember the moment that he asked me if he was enough. And I was like, well, what do you mean are you enough? Like, <laughs> That's good. That's an, that's an ouch right there. Yeah. Amen and ouch. <laughs> It was like, it was like, while you were worshiping me, it was all about me. And then when I began to whisper all of these promises over you and sing over you, now it's like, you're looking towards those. Yes. And it was almost, that was the motive check. Yes. That was the place that he was saying, yes, I'm going to do all these things. But the moment that you begin to desire the things or the promises more than you desire me, that's when your motives are out of alignment. Yeah. So I love that by keeping that posture of worship, that he is even able to correct us during the yes. and say, hey, 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 now, you know. That's right. This is about me. <laughs> this is why it hasn't happened yet because yes. I you that I needed you to see. I needed you yes. to see for yourself so that we can work on those so that when that, that moment comes, you'll be absolutely ready. And I love that he loves us so much. Yes. That he wants to make sure that we don't mess it up when we get That's to right. the palace, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Because you know what? That the test will come again. That's what happened yeah. with Abraham. It was, okay, now go sacrifice your Isaac. Yeah. The thing that you, you know, like what you're talking about, am I still yeah. your number one? Am I still yeah. the only one, yeah. you know, yeah. in that place that's Lord over your life? And I think that that's, that is so good to get that on the journey to the palace to say, Lord, I'm going to keep my eyes focused on you because like Abraham, he got Isaac and then God was like, well, let's see. Yeah. Am I yeah. still the only, you know, God in your life? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. One of the things you also mentioned, I, I just kind of glazed over it because I wanted to come back to it. Yes. Um, we rounded off the broadcast is you mentioned um, uh, when the, the, the process of coming to that book, The Joseph Anointing, you talked about your grandfather yeah. and yeah. how he blessed you. And it led me to this piece on generational blessings. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how I want to round off this broadcast is how mm-hmm. important is it to, you know, we hear right now that this buzzword is, you know, generational wealth and everybody is around building wealth for the future, which is a great thing Mm -hmm. because that's a big part of generational blessing. Mm -hmm. But how important is it to receive a generational blessing, um, you know, in order to to move you forward? I remember my aunt and my grandmother Mm -hmm. literally in the kitchen anointing my head with oil. (laughs) I remember that moment. And it was like the Holy Spirit brought it back to my remembrance. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, that was the generational blessing. That was my aunt because my mother has since gone on to be with the Lord when I was young. And my grandmother anointing me for such a time as this. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's the generational blessing. How important is that when you think about your children and your grandchildren and even me? I don't have grandbaby. My daughters don't have children yet. Mm -hmm. But just thinking about positioning myself right now to make sure that my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren not only receive the wealth mm-hmm. that they need to continue to move the kingdom forward, but also the blessing. Over yes. There. You know what? It's absolutely important. And, you know, just two things jump out. I know that there's more, um, but it's important because, you know, our world was framed with words. Yeah. And so, you know, in order to create 
reality for somebody else. Words are very, very important. This is why when negative words are spoken, they have to be broken down because it's created a certain structure. It's created a certain world. When you're passing on those blessings, especially them coming through words, you're building uh, or, or rather creating an atmosphere for something to be built, for something to last. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when God was saying, let there be, he's passing on to us this world to take care of. So the one of the most powerful things that we can do, especially as a generation, you, 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 you build with words, but you're building upon what you've already accomplished. Mm-hmm. So when you're going to speak with, over your daughters and your future grandchildren, you're not speaking from a place of starting from scratch, scratch. You're, you're saying, this is what I've accomplished and you're going to build greater. Mm-hmm. You're going to build higher. That's why the Bible says the old men dream dreams. Part of that also means that whatever they've done, they're speaking newness. They're speaking greater to the next generation. And then it says, and the young men have visions. To have a dream is to have, I can see it, it's in, it's, it's, it's in one dimension, but to have a vision is to execute that dream. So when we speak blessings, you're building upon, you're building legacy of where you've already started. Number two, the importance of it is that it always reminds us that we have a mandate to bear fruit. So when you pass on a blessing, like Jacob did to his grandkids, Manasseh and Ephraim. And he says, the younger shall serve the older. That word Ephraim means, it means fruitfulness. Mm -hmm. And Manasseh means promotion. So what that keeps you doing is, I'm not just working this hard for me. I'm working so that the work of the Lord can continue going on and producing fruit. So when the work that you're doing now as a woman of God, your daughters are going to pick up the baton and go further than you could have ever gone. Your mm-hmm. grandbabies are going to pick up from that and go further than you could have ever gone in your lifetime. So it's important to speak it because it is, first of all, a word that's sitting in you that cannot return to God void. So what you do is you pass it on through your words, which are called a blessing. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's so good. Praise <laughs> God. <laughs> well, speaking of generational blessings, how can our listeners connect with you and where can they purchase your book and your devotional? Uh, my website is victoriamscott.com, victoriamscott.com. And uh, they can get information there. They can write to me that way. Uh, another way to reach me is through my uh, email, nb. Um, as in um, uh, note and book, nbcoachvictoria at gmail.com. Um, that's another way to reach me. And any anything via phone, uh, I can be reached on my website. Again, victoriamscott.com. Um, all of my contact information is on there. My, my phone number, my office number, you can reach me there um, and, and purchase uh material to ways to purchase my book. I'm sorry, on there as well. So there you go. All right. Well, I thank you so, so, so much for joining the Worship 365 family and just sharing Mm -hmm. that amazing wisdom um, with our audience. And we look forward to chatting with you hopefully again before the year is out. 
That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so humbled and I look forward to coming back. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in today for Worship 365. Have a blessed day. Thank you.